When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in to another episode of Hockey Royalty Live, the official podcast of HockeyRoyalty.com. We got a doozy for you. We got the Road Warriors setting the record for the NHL record on road wins. We go into New York and battle with Jonathan Quick, and then we get manhandled by Winnipeg. Lots Lots to talk about here in this chat, so get in, like, and subscribe. Let's go. Kings fans, get in there and intro. It's been a rough one, man. I uh, come in here. Thank you, everybody, for coming in here. But got the got the sleeps going on. You know, waking myself up in my own dream. Five minutes before I got, I set the alarm for 8.50 a.m., not p.m., and then something else woke me up. So you're lucky if I'm even here, let alone <laughs> let alone anything else going on. So my brain is just triggering in all aspects. But what I got to say before we get going on here, Russ, Joe, how we go? How we doing? Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Getting through the season. Getting through the season. Uh, last few games been a little rough. We'll dive into it. But overall, doing pretty good. How you doing, Joe? I'm all right. Yeah, finally, finally feeling better after the debacle yeah. that was last week. Holy crap. I thought it was bad the week before when I had that like cough and raspy voice. Nope, that was nothing compared to what happened the following. But that's okay. That was uh we're good to go. Uh the hockey team picked up another win. We're four and two heading into a two-game weekend. We've got Everton is absolutely buzzing right now despite the uh, the points deduction. So the Premier League can go screw themselves. Um, so other than that, yeah, feeling pretty good. Obviously, the Kings, will we'll get to them. But uh, the Yankees signed Juan Soto. A lot of good things happening for uh, for me out here in Western New York, I'll be honest. Brandon, how are you doing? Daniel Hall saying, Randy's feeling lit. I am lit. Just got that that post-wake-up high. I'm, I'm all over the place. I'm ready to go. Joe's got the T-shirt going on here. Everybody, get your get your uh, hockey royalty T-shirt going on. It's a doozy. It's great. I like what's going on. Man, my head is just still spinning. I I, I have no idea what's going on here. Uh, I'm I'm just acting on on instinct. You know, I'm a little Spider Man senses going on here. Uh, don't ever get the AM and PM mixed up. That's what I'm talking about. So let's 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 get into the the the, the meat of the the potatoes. Here is the 11th overall win. Most of any. NHL team ever on on the road to start the season. How was that game? Obviously, we're playing Montreal. We expected to win that game. Kings are buzzing. Not really much to talk about in the middle of the game at all. But how how do you feel about the Kings at that moment of of, of time, Russell? I mean, you feel pretty good, right? I mean, kind of. It feels like a game that you probably should have won going into it. 
um, even with the record behind. And, and we had talked about maybe, Randy, we had talked about how like maybe the, the Canadians would kind of get up for it, but it certainly seemed like the Kings were just ready to go after their slow start Columbus. They came back with that uh, comeback victory in the third period. And then, uh, yes, come out strong in Montreal. It's, it's really, it's, it felt like there's really not a lot to take away from that game. But, I mean, the highlight was just that Quentin Byfield uh, first goal. Yeah. I mean, that was pretty much everything we had been waiting for to see. And I know he's been he's been great this season, obviously, in the midst of a breakout. Last year, he showed a lot of improvement playing on the line with Kopitar and Kempe. But that goal specifically was pretty much like if we had read scout, if you had looked back at scouting reports from this draft, you're talking about speed, you're talking about size, you're talking about skill. That was all that put together right there on that on that play. Uh, driving to the net. So that was something that I almost got out of my seat for to see. So that was my biggest takeaway from the win. I like that you mentioned that because when I saw that goal, I was like, to you, exactly as you said, like he's been really good now going back to, you know, last year since he moved to the wing. Then the points have started to come much more this year uh, and things are all starting to click and it's been great. But that goal felt different. Like something about that goal, the way it happened, the way he did it, he went outside, cuts over it. Like just everything about that goal felt just a little bit different. It was like, okay, there's Quentin Byfield that that we – that's a glimpse of what, what we can see. But, yeah, I mean, it, that was a game where the Kings were – you expect them to win the game. They went in. They did a job. Um, I, they outshot, I, I think it was 16-4 to four in the third period, the Kings did. That's what you're looking for. Just, just, just strangle them to death at the end of the game. Um, they were the much better team throughout. And so at the end of the day, that was a game. I don't think the record, I, I'll be honest, I don't care all that much about the record. You know, it's one of those fluky things where they just happen to start the season on an 11-game road win streak. It's kind of like one of those funky things. Could have happened at any point in the season. I mean, I'm, don't get me wrong, it's cool, I guess. And obviously it's great that they won 11 straight road games because, they, you know, they picked up a bunch of points at the start of the season so i'm not gonna like go go too crazy about the the record per se but it is cool anyways to get off to a good start but uh, i'm with i'm with uh russ not not a ton to take away i thought that was two teams one significantly better than the other and they played as such and they did a job one I, I, I will well, disagree i i think it was a big i was a, i think it was a big thing here and the fact that you talk about russ that that goal i mean the <clears throat> king Kings and Phantom are always a grasping for anything that 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 latches them on to why they're they're fans. And that that game was eleven games. Byfield makes a huge move. Everybody's wondering still about Byfield. Where are they gonna get going? And he makes that huge move. Hey, I'm here. And they go against a team who is, I believe, number one in cups. Right, Montreal Canadiens. Historic overall. Sure. Yeah, in, in, in cups. So to do that in a barn that is historic as Montreal, to do it as in a, the fashion that they did, I think that it was a big deal. I mean, obviously, if we had this podcast three days ago, you and I, all of us would be buzzing, right? Like it, it wouldn't be, hey, the, the downtrodden eight, it is what it is, the the host, the the uh, publicity type answers that you're giving. I mean, we would be kind of buzzing in that aspect because I mean, the fact. No, what? no, it's cool. Like it's they, you, you Montreal's on the schedule. Like if I was going to, if I was expecting heading into that road trip, I was like, Columbus is going to be tricky homestand on the road. First road game. Sometimes that's, you know, getting your bearings and stuff. So Columbus, if there's a game that they lose, maybe that one, 
fully expecting to win in Montreal. Like, I don't care so much about how many games they've won in a row. It's like, I go into this game in Montreal, the Kings are a better team, go win the game, and they did it. And they did it in pretty convincing fashion, I would say. So I would look at that as, okay, now we got ourselves some tests coming into the weekend in New York City. So, I, I, I mean, I'm maybe I'm a little downplaying it from – a few days back, Randon, I guess maybe, but I I don't know. When I watch the game, it's like, okay, this is exactly what was supposed to happen. This is what we're supposed to do. Such, such, such a coach um, answer, one, one game yeah. at a time. <laughs> <laughs> but I was going to say, that the, the great thing about that goal with Byfield, and I think that's pretty much the highlight of that game, um, was that he did the, – the player that he did that on was Caden Gooley, who was his teammate at the World Junior Championships on Canada. And Caden Gooley was – at that time was considered like there was so much hype about him. And he was like one of the <laughs> best defenders on that team. And Quentin Byfield was considered like the, he was, well, he was the youngest player on that team at the time. And he was still kind of considered to be like growing into the type of player he is. So now we've almost seen it like come full circle where now all of a sudden you see Quentin Byfield making those type of moves against a player like Gooley, who was considered to be a, a great prospect at that time. But yeah, I'm, I'm, Kind of with Joe, kind of with Randon, where I, I think, like, you, I agree, Randon. Like, three days ago, we'd be all hype and buzzing about the win and the, and the win streak. But at the same time, like, I kind of get it. It's like the Canadians, like, if it was if it was against, like, the like the Oilers or something like that, maybe there'd be a little bit more emphasis oh, on the win. Sure. So, like, maybe I think the opponent kind of brings it down a little bit. But we should be should be kind of excited about the, the record. I, you know what? The most exciting – I'm sorry. The most exciting thing about that game was obviously – Trevor Moore tallying his 13th goal of the season. One more on the way to 30. I mean, I mean, Byfield had two goals, three yep. points. Like that, that's a big thing. And I know, and I know that you, you know, you're you're wearing the shirt for a reason. You know, like I, I get it. But was Trevor Moore drafted second overall? No, he wasn't. Like that, that's what that's that's what this team is ready for. They want the they want the expectations from the superstar and and right rightfully so. Byfield mm-hmm. has come into his own and he's playing a great season. We are having a birth of him as a budding superstar in this league. And and that's not hyperbole. That's that's a real thing that's going on. And if it wasn't for the last drotney of the last couple of games. That's all we would be singing his praises on. That's that's what this would be going on. So I don't want to I don't want to flatten that at all. I don't want to flatten that at all. And, and obviously, right. you see, if you're watching live here on YouTube, you know our shirts. You know uh, Joe's got the the shirts going off of the the Trevor Moore, and obviously he is a is a great story. And I will eat my crow eternally for not having him hyped up this season. But I don't want to not pump up. Byfield's tires based on what is going on in the last couple of games because what he did in that game that was an elite move that was a superstar t- style goal and he had a game at the opportune time for the Kings to clinch that that NHL record. Can I be clear? I'm I'm all here for the the buzz about Byfield that game, the two goals, the great move, the power play goal, all about it. I'm I'm looking if I'm my my whole thing here is more about the win itself as a team is like, yeah, supposed to on to the next one. But then when you look at the individual players in the game, yeah, I totally agree. That's, that's huge for Byfield. That's great for him. Talbot with the shutout more with another goal. So there's, there's some of that stuff is great. I, I, I don't want to downplay what Byfield did either. And right? I don't mean to do that, but just in general, as a win to game, the team should win. So 
Let's get into yeah. what we let's get into what we were talking to Russ. I mean, we we expected this as Joseph. We expected the win, and we we did. But it was a it was in, in a dominant fashion. Great Kings win against Montreal. Obviously went to the Islanders, and that was kind of ho hum. But the game that we were talking about coming up is against is against the New York Rangers, top in the East versus top in the West in their barn. A big statement game for the Kings against a Hall of Famer, and the Kings come up short. What were you thinking going to that game? How how do you think the Kings fared? Was it just big versus big, and they dominated? How how did you feel uh, watching that game going on in New York? It's tough because I don't want to use the excuse of the road trip back to back, but it certainly kind of felt that way. I mean, you watch the Kings and it just didn't seem like they were really emotionally invested into the game or there's maybe mentally tired from the road trip. And you, you play kind of a tough game the night before against the Islanders. I, I didn't really watch that game, but you, you, it's it just seemed like there was a lot of you gave up a two-goal lead. You you lose in overtime. There's a lot of like weird things going on with that game, and obviously the injury to Gavrikov, which I think it played a huge part in the last few games. Probably, um, I mean the the game against the Rangers, him leaving in the first period really just kind of threw a wrench into everything that probably McClellan wanted to to run out there, especially being at the end of a back-to-back. Uh, you you only have five defensemen to to run with the whole game. That, that's pretty tough. And then obviously the, the officiating in that game was, was kind of, I, I want to say questionable. I mean, some of the misconducts that they were handing out, it, it just felt like, like, what are we doing here? And that slash on Byfield to quick, like, I don't know. It just felt like that referee just kind of like took over a game that didn't need to like, just let it play. I, like I understand there's a little bit maybe of a infraction, maybe by the book, there's some of the calls that should have been made. But they were more or less borderline. I think it took a lot of the momentum and energy out of the game from both teams. And the Kings just really couldn't get back into it after that. I, I would agree with you, Russ. I, I think the fact that the 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 whistles really kind of, you know, stop and go the type of game that we were playing. I think we did get out outmanned, outhandled. And and Joe, I want to ask you this. I mean, this is the first big test on a on a big run from the Kings to play with a juggernaut that would be in the uh in the cup momentum or the cup swing for the Kings. Do you think they were up to the task outside of the whistles? You know, this in Russ alluded to it. And I think I had tweeted it the week before the Kings beat a Colorado team, second of a back to back and fourth game in six nights. And Todd McClellan said, it's tough playing four and six in this league. And you know what, from a gambling aspect, that's, that's an, that's something that, a lot of gamblers look at when their teams are playing fourth and six nights and there's, they do that for a reason. It's just not easy. It was fourth and fourth and six nights, fifth and eight nights back to back. And they, as Russ alluded to, they, they did play a tough game against the Islanders, uh, kind of a letdown game, obviously after blowing the the, the lead. Um, I didn't, I ran in it. I had that game kind of circled as like, it sucks that, this game is being played in this schedule scenario because we're not going to see the best Kings. Uh, it, it Maybe it sounds like a cop-out, but that was like a schedule loss, if you will. Like I just, that wasn't a game. If I, I really wanted the Islanders game because I didn't think the Kings would, I didn't think the Kings would win that game on Sunday in the garden. It just with the entire schedule situation, to be honest with you. I don't take anything of that in a situation or, or a scenario of like, 
the Kings can't hang with the Rangers. I, it's not where I'm at with this. They certainly didn't that night. The Rangers were the better team. They deserved to win the game. Um, but well, I, I mean, l- let me flip it to you on this. You thought that they should have beat the Islanders. Was the overtime loss to the Islanders a bigger indication of this team, or do you think it was just a lot of games in in, in a time span? Does that un- invalidate the domination of Colorado? Like, where are you with this team? I first of all, the Colorado thing, I wasn't as in on with everybody else for the sake of what Todd McClellan said after the game. Colorado's playing four and six back to back. They didn't have a car. So to, to be on our high horse because we beat a banged up and tired Colorado team, I think is irresponsible. I was happy we won. Don't get me wrong. It's still a good win. But let's be clear that wasn't exactly Colorado's A team, just like it wasn't the Kings' A team on Sunday. The, the the Islanders game is disappointing because they had the two goal lead, and I know we'll talk about last night, but that's now two two of the last three games the Kings have let two goal leads go away. Um, that's that's you know you don't like to see that, especially in the third period, um, and you know on kind of situations where. Credit to Sorokin. I thought Sorokin made some good saves. I thought he played pretty well. But, yeah, I wanted the Islanders game just because I knew that Sunday game in the Garden was going to be tough uh, for a lot of reasons. So so not getting that extra point was – I was bummed about that. Um, it was a good point on the road. And so to start the road trip 2-0-1, that ain't bad when you have four. So even ending it 2-1-1 is – looking at the road trip as a whole, that's not a bad road trip. So, um you know, I, 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 it sucks to blow that two goal lead on the island. Really, I, I'm much more concerned about letting that extra point slip away than, than the zero against the Rangers because tough spot, tough team, tough opponent. You know, if, I don't know if they if they play each other again or if they already played. I don't remember if they've played in LA yet, but um, no, the, no, scenario, no. the scenario will be a, a different a different story next time, I'm sure. So, so Russ, I want to I want to frame this next question to you because uh, after what Joe, Joe just said, is is the are the games in New York indication of what you, we just saw against Winnipeg or were you not feeling as optimistic after the Montreal game? Be knowing that we have to go back and back on the road three and three and five or whatever that was at that time or three and four. Were you feeling a, a like a one-on-one type scenario or were you on the buzz or how are you feeling about this team outside of what we just saw in Winnipeg? I thought the Islanders game was was winnable. It certainly seemed like it it should have been mm-hmm. <laughs> going into after the 2-0 lead. So, I mean, the like I'm with I'm with Joe. Like it's just like the the Rangers game just felt like a scheduled loss, especially after you play out an extended game going into overtime on the island. So, the Islanders game certainly feels like a little bit more of a disappointment. And then the Rangers game, I'm just not really putting too much into it. Everything we talked about it already. End of a road trip, back to back. And then Jonathan Quick, you certainly – he had that circled, obviously. So, And credit to him, that. he played great. Yeah. He yeah, played a exactly. really good game, which is, which is good to see because I – you know, as a Kings fan and a quick guy, like you hate to see him go down the way he did last season. I know he won the Cup. Uh, but, like, just performance. So, it's really good to see him playing this well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's like – like, can we get past all these venge- revenge games already? Like, it just seems like it's going to get. <laughs> well, well, not because we're we're gonna have we're gonna talk about one in a second. <laughs> we have so. to talk about the next one. So, I mean, yeah, there it just the Rangers game just felt like a schedule loss. So I'm not putting too much into that that uh, road trip. It's a good road trip, two one and one. Not bad. Can't complain. So I'm happy with it. I just I, I just think it's a it's one that let's just play let's play crystal ball here. 
if the Kings win in New York and then win in Mont- in Winnipeg, we're talking about juggernauts. We're talking about the, the the hyperbole and the nationwide media is talking about juggernauts of the season. Kings are that. We're winning on all cylinders. So I'm not saying I, I want to say, hey, we understand. But there was an opportunity here for the Kings to mm-hmm. to make a move. Hey, in, in New York, it was an opportunity. Hey, we're we're road warriors that we just did. We're going to continue doing that in Winnipeg is, hey, we can win despite injury. So our. Are the Kings just good because Gavrikov is great? Or are the Kings just good because they're a shutdown team when they need to be? Or are they just winning early in the season and they're not built for the long term? I think there's a lot of voices going on here. And we'll and we'll talk about the 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 Voldemort of of the locker room, which is PLD or the fan base, PLD going forward. But what I'm saying in these games, there was a lot of um nationwide or hockey-wide storylines that could have been written if the Kings just won some hockey games, and they didn't. So now is there a chick in the armor, Russ? No, I, I don't think so. I mean, you still got the second-best winning percentage in, I think, in the Western Conference besides Vegas, uh, and you, you lost against two really good teams. The Islanders are also playing really good hockey of late, so you have to give them some credit. Like, those are These last three games have been really good, but Winnipeg's been playing really well. And the Rangers obviously have been playing well. So, like, I don't think this really kind of understates a lot of the good that the Kings have done so far this season. 16-6-4. and four. <laughs> That's still a great record. I mean, look at look at what Edmonton. Edmonton's won, like, what, eight games in a row, and there's barely a game over 500. So, I, I think this more or less is just kind of like a speed bump in the season. Like, I don't think this, is, this team has gotten any worse. I feel like they're still a good team. The Gavrikov injury is definitely something that's going to impact this team going forward, and we'll see how they kind of get around it. But I still think they're one of the better teams in the Western Conference, probably in the NHL. I mean, they've just been playing really good teams. And now that you have teams like Seattle and San Jose like coming up on the schedule, I think we'll hopefully we'll see those wins start to pick up again, and then maybe we'll get that momentum of feeling that emotional high. Two weeks ago, we were talking on this show about, I don't remember which one asked the question about is the Kings Cup contenders, and we talked about them, and it was they were starting to gain a lot of that national media attention. I know everybody, Kings Twitter was very happy when Dom had them, what, number one in his rankings or two or whatever it was. So they were starting to be real good, if you will. Um, a couple losses doesn't change that in the slightest. Like, it happens. You know, I mean, t- every team goes through a stretch where they lose a couple games in a row. They lose three of four, whatever it is. Like, you know, you, you go back to the drawing board, you look at video and you get it fixed and you you come back the next day and it's like, it's a couple games. Like if this were to extend out into like an eight game skid or you lose 12 of 14, then you got yourselves a problem. But a couple games here, this is not a big deal. I just think it's a, it's something to look at, and I think your big teams are built on big moments. And I understand that it is it's December, but those those are marquee type matchups that they should win. Sometimes, like it, they didn't win any of them. So we're going to talk about the Winnipeg game, mm-hmm. but they didn't win any any of them. Like we expected them to beat Montreal, and they didn't win any of the rest of them. Like those are big games, and if they were to lose one out of the three or even play well in one out of the three, I, I would say I would agree with you. I don't, I thought that they haven't played well 
in the last three games. And we'll, and we'll get into that. And speaking of playing well and not playing well, we're going to get into our sponsor here at DraftKings. When you're betting, you better play well or you're going to lose some money. I and mean, Ben, the action with DraftKings Sportsbook here. And tomorrow we got some huge games. Ducks, Rangers, plus, plus one and a half, minus one and a half. You think the Rangers are going to win by more than one and a half goals? Hey, bet that odds. You're going to get negative one, one, five betting odds there. Puck line or over under six goals. We have over under on the Bruins game versus the Islanders. Five and a half. So there's a lot of st- lot of star quality games going on next or tomorrow, not next week, tomorrow. If you want to bet some of those at DraftKings. So get in the app right now. Download the app now at DraftKings. Use the code THPN. New customers bet get $150 instantly in bonus bets for betting just $5 on hockey. That's code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NHL. The crown is yours when you're making some winning bets. Bonus bets expire. 168 hours after the issuance. Uh, so go in the app now, get your bets going on, make some money on hockey. If you think you're better than the odds, yeah, bet that down, throw some money down there. $5 gets you $150 in free bets. So why not? So get in there, DraftKings Sportsbook, t- draft code THPN. Get your money right now. So let's get into the, the injuries here. Obviously, the Kings are, are you know, down one dancing queen. With uh, Gavrikov, you know the 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 locker room hero here, but big on the one three one, big on what he's added to the team in not only scoring but just being that juggernaut on defense. That second pairing has been staunch uh, when it comes to giving up goals. So, uh, Joe, what, what what do you think of obviously Mervara is your is your boy, but what do you think of 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 that pairing with Roy and then is Gavrikov? Is Gavrikov the reason? Is, is Gavrikov the the necessity or the the uh, the uh, ingredient, if you will? I don't I, I don't think the fact that he you know is the reason him his absence is the reason they lost to Winnipeg. I don't think his you know him coming out of the game is the reason that they lost to the Rangers. Um, obviously, it doesn't help. He's been a really good addition since he came over, and he's been had a good a strong start to the season yet again. But um, no, I think if your team is is good enough and your structure is good enough, um, then you're able to miss a guy. You can lose you can lose a player and still be fine. And I think the Kings are capable of doing that. Like I heard Todd McClellan say, he thought maybe Movarari is one of the better defensemen uh, in the game last night. Um, not sure I go that far, but I don't think Mulverari was was bad by any means. And then again, I don't know that it was if if the Kings are going to win that game if Gavrikov's in the lineup. So um, it's a it's a loss. You don't want this to be uh, too long term. I say week to week. I think is what they said, Russ. So we'll see how this goes. It's the Kings, um, which made based on Tom Collins. To yeah, it could be year to year. We, on the Kings we may there. never see Gavrikov again. It's a, with the way they do. <laughs> Who, Lord knows, or he'll be back tomorrow. Who knows? It's it's impossible to to you know figure out what it is that they're trying to tell us. Uh, so, but it, listen, there's just no no questions. It's a loss. It's a big loss, but. Every team does it. You, you got to have the guys to fill in. I, I, everybody knows I'm a Moverari fan, so this is a good opportunity for him. We'll see if it continues. Um, and again, I don't. I don't think he looked too bad last night. I think this is a bigger loss than a lot of people are probably making it out to be. I think if you're <clears throat> looking at the Kings' organizational depth as a whole, center they're pretty good, wing they're pretty good, right shot D. 
Very good. Left shot defenseman, probably the weakest in the organization, mm-hmm. right? That's you have fair. Mikey Anderson, Andreas Englund, uh, Tobias Bjornfoot, and Jacob Abrara. Rar. <laughs> I don't Depending know. I'm getting used to that that name. I, I love it. I'm starting to I'm starting to pick up on it. But anyway, man, I don't know. I feel like I'm watching that game last night, and I, I'm a big fan of, of of Jacob. I think he'll he's a great seventh defenseman in this league and a player that can step in and fill a role if needed. The fact that he has to step in and play probably top four minutes mm-hmm. now, I think you're asking a lot. I think you're asking probably too much now because there were, there were times last night where I saw um, Andreas Anglin out there with Matt Roy in certain opportunities or certain situations where maybe a little bit more impro- important uh, situation, maybe penalty kills, um, big matchups. And it kind of got exposed a little bit. I know the first period was pretty good for that pair with Mogherari and uh, Roy. But, I mean, later on in the game, looked pretty rough. So, like I mentioned, you have a little bit of an easier Did it not look rough up. for everybody? Yeah, they did. And they yeah. did. I mean, but you could I say mean, maybe it, that, it, that was because you... of, the, of the players that were on the, on the ice and defense. If you, cut the, if you cut the first period by itself – Everybody was buzzing. Hey, Mavara, hey, was was jumping into action. Mavara was doing this. Hey, he's 11 versus one on shot mm-hmm. attempts. Like, all this kind of stuff. Like, is it really him? Or are we going to talk about a player going forward for the next hour on 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 what this, this really is about? Is it is it really Mavara? Like, are we missing Gavrikov that much? Or are we under, am I understating the loss? Well, I mean, you just look at the look at the numbers, and I know maybe it's tied to the King system and the team doing success, being successful as a whole. Gavrikov, top five in expected goal share, top five in, in shot share, top five in shot attempt share. He's he's got the metrics to point to him being a really good defenseman on this team and in the NHL. So to have that loss, I mean, we're talking about a small sample size, obviously, of one game with Jake Marar, mm-hmm. but I feel like it's going to be a big loss if if this. It's it's hard to say. Like like I just mentioned, it's a small sample size, so we'll yeah. see how it goes. But these next few games will give us a better indication. I feel like of how this team can perform with the loss of Gavrikov. That's where I'm at. Is I'm if I'm not really concerned about this right now because it doesn't sound like this is going to be a thing that's going to keep Gavrikov out, you know, months or anything like that. So if it's week to week, you know, I I I'd like to see Moverari get a, g- a couple of games here before I make a determination because you know he threw him in first game, first period was great, um, and then the second period was a very just a sloppy period from across the board. Frankly, I, I just didn't like a lot of it, um, and Moverari included. And I think the loss is big. I don't. It is. It's just I don't think it's big enough to where it should cause them to go any sort of losing streak. Right. I mean, I, I don't think the, the loss of Gavrikov doesn't take them from, you know, big favorites against Seattle to a coin flip. It's type of thing. Like they're still going to be, there should be, I would think big favorites against Seattle. Like that's I, I, the loss is not nothing. I, I, it, it's just, I think the team, I think the structure is good enough to withstand it. And um, it is a lot to ask for Mulverari to play top four minutes that there's no question because as much as I like him, you know, I think he's a really he can be a really good Andreas Hanglin type in the in that bottom pair. And I think he could do just just fine there. Asking him to play top four is is 
a big ask. I totally agree with that. Um, in a short stint, I'm still willing to see it out though. Um, so at the moment, not really concerned um, just because I think given the structure of the team that they're going to be able to, to get through it. Well, we were talking about obviously week to week injury and given the, the past kind of references to these uh, injury durations to the Kings, it seems like it could be a little bit longer. We just don't know, obviously. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, if we're talking probably a month, maybe two months, like I'll ask you guys, Whoa, do, you see, do you see a possibility of maybe having to get it like outside trade, like look at maybe no. making a trade here? They don't, do you, they don't have, they don't have the cap space for a trade, Russ. Like they don't. So, yeah, I mean, well, I mean, if he's out that long, you can LTIR him and then create a little bit more space there. But then, I mean, we're he, talking week to week and LTIR is only 10 days and seven games, right? But they, he comes back. Like he asked, like he's going to come back before the playoffs. So then you have to figure out a way to to maneuver him in. I I mean, you're looking at in in a week to week. Let's look at the schedule real quick. Like let's just look at what the Kings got going on. So week to week, if two weeks, that's six games, total of twelve points in the next week coming up, right? So or tw- uh, six games plus one, so seven games. All divisional opponents too. That's the yeah. Tough part. All divisional opponents. Like it. Like are we are we really like throwing the button up in the air? I mean, I guess we're gonna have to wait and see of how the teams perform, but yeah, like I don't think you go out and make a move because well, if you're making that move for lefty, that means when Gavrikov comes <laughs> back, that means England isn't there and he's been playing well. And do is that a, is that a move you want to make, or is the move that we talked about in the previous podcast is that move Victor Arvidsson versus another uh, that is get, getting added to a player that we're gonna talk about later? In by the name of three initials PLD, like, are is that where we're going on this to the addition by subtraction or, uh, or the addition by addition? I guess um, with with players coming off injury, I just don't think it's going to be an issue. And I I view Mavara as, and a lot of people won't like this, especially the way the way he's viewed about on Twitter. He's Jerry Anderson Dolan. I think he played third line, a third pairing. I think he played second pairing. I think he played first pairing. If he's needed to be, he's solid at what he does is is playing defense. And if, and I, I get it. You might not get much offense out of him. He's never scored a goal. He's not going to do those kind of things. But he's not going to miss an assignment. And, and I don't think he was blown apart. You look at a couple games or a couple moves the other, uh, other night, Ehlers decimated Mikey Anderson. Like true. Uh, with, with speed. And when Mikey Anderson supposed to be this great skater and all this kind of stuff like that, he decimated him. I didn't see one one clip of Jacob Mervar just being totally manhandled. And I and I, I might have missed that because the fact that I was trying to get my internet to work last night, but it, he wasn't exceptional, but he wasn't the reason that the team lost last night. He did get kind of manhandled by Velarde in front on the on the I think it was the third goal a little bit. But I mean Velarde was just kind of all over the ice. But Joe, I'll let you kind of respond to my question. I what was oh about the trade no I don't I don't I, because I think I think I'm with Brandon like if there's a trade then that really does hint that there's a problem here like he's not out week to week he's out month to month and <laughs> then some because yeah I mean what are you gonna what are you trading for and what do you do when that when if it's truly week to week what do you do when he if he's out a month what do you do when he gets back. Um, who's this player you acquired and where is he going? 
Um, so I, it, it creates a little bit of a jam. I think, again, if Gavrikov is out like month to month, then you have to have a serious conversation. But that's not at least what's being reported right now. Um, so I think you got to sit tight on this and you got to go with your depth that you do have, which right now is Moverari, Bjornfoot, and, and we'll see what, what else comes of it. I think they have to – that's the route right now. And it's a tough spot because I don't – this is tough no matter whether it's Moverari, this whether it's England, whether it's Bjornfoot or somebody else, to ask any of them to play a top four role right now is a difficult ask. Full yeah. fully agree. Um well, how, you, how, how, about, how about this? I'll float this one out to you out to you guys is do you look at transitioning a right shot defenseman to the left side? Yeah, you know my answer there. Yes. And bring up Clark. <laughs> Obviously, the answer is very clearly yes there. Um, but I don't think that's so you, so I would probably go that way before moving to making a trade. So I, I, I could see that probably being the, the, the last desperate move that Rob Blake or McClellan would make before trying to make any sort of acquisition. It's just I feel like you'd be asking a lot of who I feel like would probably be the person is Jordan Spence moving to the left side, even though he's kind of done it at certain points. He, he did it last night at, at, at the later part of the game playing with Drew Doughty. Mm-hmm. He's, he's a great skater. I feel like he could probably do it, but I don't know. I feel like he's been playing so well, he, or he's Last night game, I don't think it was that great for Spencer or England or pretty much anybody. So, yeah. Yeah. but I feel like you're asking quite a bit. I just it's it seems like that could be the reason to to get uh yeah that help out with the situation. I mean, if you want to pull my arm there, Russ, and bring up the point per game player for for the rain and in Brant Clark, the conductor himself, the train engineer known as Brant Clark. Yes, I would be for for that. I just think that you look at. The team Rivara wasn't wasn't bad. I think Bjornfoot hasn't shown lately that he's been good, but in a pinch, he could play a game, two games, three games, whatever. I mean, is this really day for day? Is this really week for week? Is this month for month? The Kings don't really know. I I, I or they know, but we don't know uh, on that aspect. I, I think that if it's a real loss, what you're talking about, Russ, I'd rather yeah. bring up Brandon Clark and just let him roll. Okay. That's what that if you're yeah. talking about a real loss within the team, one, they don't have the money because if Gavrikov's going to be back but before playoffs, then they're going to have to do this Mark Stone. Oh, he's healthy, but not really healthy for a month and all this kind of stuff like that, which if they can do great. I, I really don't care how we get to the cup as long as we get to the cup, but I don't think that's the way that Gavrikov's injury is. I think it's probably he's good by January 1st. So realistically, should we see Brent Clark? Probably not, because I think that Bjornfoot and Mervara can patch it up before then. I would agree. And can I – and this is maybe a different – and if my memory is wrong, please correct me and we can you know forget about it. But how many times have we – it feels like more often than it should. Like I think it happened with Ayafalo last year. I want to say it happened with maybe Lazat, maybe Velarde. And again, stop me if I'm wrong when I do actually say it. It happened here with Gavrikov where the player comes back. He's hurt. He leaves a game. He comes back. He maybe misses a game, comes back, and then he's out an extended period of time. I feel like it happened a couple of times last year with guys. And, I mean, I know you're, you're trusting the medical staff, but that's kind of consistent where – He's, he leaves a game, he misses a game or two, he comes back, and then all of a sudden he's out for weeks. And I don't know, that's it's just bizarre. That whole situation is a little bizarre to me, I guess. The fact that they played him again on a back-to-back after he had left the game kind of was like, huh. I was surprised he was playing. I'll just say that. Yeah. 
Were they even carrying? I don't know if they were carrying. It happened with Fiala. Russ, you and I, you and I met in LA, and Fiala was coming back that game. Fiala. And you and I were talking about over beers. We're like, hey, Fiala's coming back. He should be good. And then he was okay that game, and then he wasn't okay, and then left. Like that's yeah, yeah. Really, really. I don't know. That's yeah, it, it, like it, it is. Uh, I mean, obviously, listen, we're not there, so obviously, you trust that they've got. I'm sure, and that's a good question, Russ. I don't know. Maybe they they genuinely may not have been carrying. I don't know. They may not have had uh, Bjornfoot with I them. Think, I don't think they did. Was with them. No, I don't think either of them were. I hope Bjornfoot wasn't with them. So no, I think they only had the six. So yeah. It's kind of a gamble, right? You go into a back-to-back with only six defensemen. It's a situation they're in, right? <laughs> I, I think it's something to to look at. And, and obviously, Gavrikov has been um, excellent, not only mm-hmm. on the ice, but in the locker room. Like He's just been that linchpin on, on the defense uh, that you need. And you know, had that big interview with the NHL, and, and he's getting he's getting pub everywhere you look at it. And I, I just think that Mavari can do – to do that job and Bjornfoot probably will get a start here now that he's healthy and, and that his conditioning stint is over with, he'll probably get a start or play in, in the next couple of days. I, I, I don't think it's that huge. I, I think it's something that the Kings need to, to monitor, you know, like how they're, they're going on, but you can't like right now, according to what the Kings are saying, Gavrikovs will be ready by the playoffs. And oh, uh, that's a long like way January, around. You better be January. <laughs> no, no, I'm saying, but like, it's not a, it's not an LTIR move, is what I'm saying. Okay. It's, well, LTIR. I mean, LTIR is only ten days. It's not that long. So, I mean, but I mean, not that they need to do it. I'm just saying, like, it, it's it's not like I'm not saying it's a contract move where you were saying, hey, go out and get somebody and use this yeah. contract. That's what I'm saying. Another injury coming out it is uh, podcast favorite and Kyle Garcia favorite. Alex Turcott gets a, an un, uncouthed elbow to the dome. Um, and a lot of people are, oh, he's just injury prone. A lot of people are saying, hey, he should have been called up when uh, Kaliev got uh, got his games. Bjornfoot, or not Bjornfoot, but Lizotte, uh was out. Like, he should have been that person. He was over a point-per-game player. We, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about um, – Alex Turcott and the season that he had and just another concussion. Uh, Kings are saying he's out indefinitely right now. So what's, what's your thought on Alex Turcott? Obviously as a player was, was making it known on the ice. It just seems another unfortunate incident after another unfortunate incident. Yeah. And real quick, I'm, I appreciate leave correct me for the LTR. It's 10 games, not 10 days. So it's 24 days is what it is. So, Still kind of whatever. But, um, yeah, with Turcott, man, it just seems like one unlucky hit after another with this guy. And I, I understand, like, the the um, the um want to see a player like that in the NHL. But, like, who's to say that this wouldn't happen in an AHL game? You're just kind of – it's kind of the same thing, right? It's like just because he's playing in the AHL doesn't mean he's, he's more likely to get hurt down there as opposed to playing in the NHL. He's going to get hurt up here. So, I mean, at the time when, when Kaliev was out – I don't know. I didn't feel like the need to call up Turcott. I know a lot of people aren't really happy with what Jared Anderson Dolan has brought so far, but I mean, they were winning games. So it's not like he was hurting the teams, the team in terms of a, a losses in the or when the win loss column. So I thought he was doing, doing well. And Joe's mentioned a couple of times, he's the perfect 13th forward. You can just slide in, play him wherever. 
And with Turcotte, he's playing so well in the AHL, you just wanted to see that momentum going. And now, unfortunately, that momentum just come to a screeching halt. So it's tough, man. I mean, you want to you want to feel so good about the player, about him starting the season well, and then all of a sudden it just comes to this again. It's like, like you don't even really feel surprised anymore. That's that's the thing that sucks so much. It's like, man, oh, another Turcotte injury. Like here we go again. And I just want to I want to stop having that feeling with this player. It's a fifth overall pick. You want to see something. It's been four years since the Kings drafted him. We haven't even seen him score a point in the NHL at this point. So, I mean, at this point, I don't even. I consider if Turcotte plays a game, it's a bonus to me at, at this point in the season because I'm not even expecting him to play with the Kings this year. I'm barring any time of injuries to some centerman and he comes back healthy. But, I mean, at this point, with everything that's gone on in his career to start and the season to start this year, you just kind of hope that everything goes well in his health. It's a gut punch. I felt really excited, happy for – him to be healthy and starting the season as well as he did. Um, and just, it sucks. It's really, really sucks. I don't, I don't really have a whole lot to add to that. I feel really bad for the kid because he's been through a lot. And again, he's put a really nice start to the season here. And, you know, it seemed like he was, if there was some, some sort of extended injury to a forward that he would have been the one to get the call. And it's really, really unfortunate. So hopefully he's able to recover from this and, and, um, it sucks. From a, from a player standpoint, this is his last year on his entry level contract. So, it to get another contract or or where that goes is it AHL only, all this kind of stuff. It's probably going to come from the Kings if it comes from anybody. I I, I think it's just tough for him, and you got to wonder. He's having the conversations with medical staff, multiple concussions in the last couple of years. Is this the end of his playing career? Is this is this how it ends? And, that, and those those are conversations that yeah. I couldn't even fathom yep. happening. And those are the conversations he's having with his family. And so uh, here at Hockey Royalty, we wish him the best. We wish him that he gets healthy, uh, the, that it's no huge damage. But I was I was rooting for him. I thought when Lazat yeah. went down, I, w- I want him to come up over Jared Anderson Dolan to get, get that offer. I know it's uh, everybody's like, oh, it's eight. No, I mean, Lazat was playing 12 minutes a night. That's a lot on... Uh, on a on a team, he could have played uh, high penalty kill minutes. I thought he could have had a chance if they would have brought him up. Now I don't think the Kings thought that Lazat would have was out five games. I thought they probably thought he was day to day, which is what they said. But but I, I think that you look at if, they, if you know, in hindsight, if if they would have went back and and called up Turkai, he probably could have made some huge uh, differences in those games instead of Lewis at at center. I, I mean. The the driving play that Lazada or not Turcotte has shown um in the AHL, I think he could have done the same. Yeah, it, it's just a shame. I, I I think he's a great player. Is he the top top line player that they drafted him to be? Probably not, but he could have been I, I think he has the skill set to be a Trevor Moore or or those types of uh, guys where there's their nuances, their their play drivers, their that kind of thing. If you find a shot. You know, maybe he's that that bold thirty goal predict uh, goal prediction that Joe's making two years from now. So it, it's just it's just sad. Uh, I think it's just sad that a guy uh, that talented may never see the ice in the NHL and may never get a point and realize his dream of of being a, a legit player. And and we we wish the best for for Alex Turcott. Yeah, he's looked good this year too with the rain. Hope he comes back healthy. We'll see. Long season. 
So we're at 47 uh, minutes here. We got another hour and a half of uh, PLD talk here. So let's start it out with uh, with the revenge game. Last night, the uh, the Kings start off well. Two goals in the first. Um, you know, I'll switch it over to the Winnipeg pod, uh, podcast. And then you guys could blame me then, I guess. And then the things turned uh, on a swivel in the, the second period and the third period uh, to the Velarde revenge game here. Um, I, 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 let's just start with Velarde here. I guess let's start with Velarde and the fact that he had a great game. I mean, that first line dominated the Kings. They were apparent all game long, uh, even in the first when they weren't like putting it on the score sheet, but um, just nonstop speed, nonstop taking it from the edge, bringing it to the, to the crease. They, they were not only taking pucks at any part they could to the net, uh, but they were driving play nonstop. Joe, it looked like a confident Winnipeg team, especially from the first line. Yeah. Um, Eaglers had a chance, I think it was the first period too, where he caught a he caught a break along the left wing and it either went wide or maybe skimmed the skimmed the post. It was like he 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 was moving. Um and yeah, the king after they, they so they get up the two nothing and the, the second period just seemed to really get like sloppy. Nothing was crisp. They couldn't string a lot together. They couldn't get sustained pressure. Um, and as far as Gabe Velarde, couldn't be happier. Uh, I was a big Gabe Velarde fan. Um, loved his game in Ontario when he went to wing. And you could tell he was unhappy about the way things ended in Los Angeles. So if for him personally, you know, it sucks as a, as a Kings fan, but happy for him because – He's another guy that the Kings have had. He, he had struggles with health. Finally, you know, sort of had – well, no, he didn't really have a healthy season last year. He missed time last year. He missed time this year. But when he's on the ice, he's going to be a productive player, and I'm, I'm happy for him because I, I like Gabe Velarde. I think he's a really good player. He's a good talent. So, um, I mean, I mean excuse, excuse my language here, but it was a big fuck you to the Kings. Sure. He, he came in and played well. And good for him. And yeah, and that, and that line was really good. I mean, I, they're they're a little banged up. I know Kapari's out, uh, Kyle Connor's out, so they've got some guys that are out. So it's a new. I, th- I want to say it's a new line for them, a relatively new line for them. And when Ehlers is going, he's he, he's he's a tough tough player to uh, to handle. He's a, as you saw, he's got a ton of speed going on the wing. So um, yeah, that was a tough line to handle, and the Kings the Kings struggled with it, particularly in the second period. And I think well, the the disappointing part was just the kind of the lack of of uh of the lack of pushback from the kings um you know we we've talked about often throughout the season about there's just no lead is is uh, uh too big that they can always come back they're always going to be in the game and they you know uh, winnipeg did to the kings what the kings generally do uh, i mean at five on five in the third period they had one shot on goal uh they just didn't really do a they good job us up. yeah uh, of getting anything going in the third period um, and credit to Winnipeg. Um, you know, they were able to, uh, they were able to shut the door. Yeah. Rick bonus really has that team kind of flowing right now. I think it's now 18 straight games that they've only <laughs> given up three goals or less. So, I mean, they're a very solid defensive team. And when you have the backstop like Connor Hellebuck back there too, I mean, that's certainly going to help. So I think a lot of focus is on Gabe Velarde, and rightfully so, especially with everything that's gone on around this game. But, I mean, hats off to Nikolai Ehlers. I mean, man, those shots that he had, <laughs> those are probably some of the best shots I've seen live Laser this year yeah. so far. I mean, 
that one where he was coming across, cut across the middle and then shot it on the uh, mm-hmm. backside, whatever. I mean, laser beam. And the one streaking down the left side, same thing. I, mean, I, I feel like Ehlers is probably one of the more underappreciated wingers in the NHL. That guy, yeah. he's got good speed, obviously got a good shot. Um, once you get once he gets going, it's a great, great player. And then Shifley. Shifley had a really good game too. So that line in all together. Yeah. I thought they kind of I'm sure like Velarde definitely had a chip on his shoulder with that, but I'm sure the entire team did too, especially with the way that the Kings went into Winnipeg and, and won. It's like it's just like a repeat of Philadelphia, right? Like the Kings went into Philadelphia, just blew the blew the brakes off, shit like just shelled Cal, Cal Peterson. And then Cal Peterson comes back and gets a win in, in, in L.A. It's the same thing. Kings go into Winnipeg. PL has a good game. Come back to L.A. And then Winnipeg just kind of blows the door off, doors off. So, I mean, you got to give their, your your hats off to, to the way Winnipeg played all together, the team as a whole, not just Gabe Velarde. Because I thought Velarde had a really good game and there's mm-hmm. all the emotion tied to it. But, I mean, that top, top line, the Kings just really had no answer. And it certainly feels like, like it seems like the last couple games, or especially like the Islanders game and this last one too, I feel like teams are now putting a lot more pressure up ice on the Kings, preventing a lot of breakouts and a lot of kind of rush chances that the Kings are usually like are able to generate throughout a game. It just feels like that wasn't really there last night. The breakouts were just constantly like being being stopped, uh, happening. Clean mainly for the Kings and, and Winnipeg just had a, a good strategy to prevent those from happening. So I'll be interesting to see how the Kings and how other teams kind of uh, strategize against the, the Kings going forward. Yeah. I, I think it's interesting when we talk about this team and, and the punch chances there and, and uh, you know, you want that scoring to come from depth and it didn't really happen this last game. And, and Trapper coming here with $5 for Velarde, you know, to make up for the $8.5 million that that PLD is getting because that's what fans that's what fans are wanting to hear. Like, hey, Pierre-Luc Dubois, you know, are you going to earn this $8.5 million or what? Like, what's going on here? And, and Velarde's throwing $5 for Velarde his way. Uh, obviously, big revenge game. Four points. He did what he did. Pierre-Luc Dubois is, is not there. Fans are turning on him, and he's the scapegoat for this game. And obviously, recency bias plays into that. Uh, you know, there's a lot of fans are saying, Hey, the zone entries and, and slot passes aren't enough to, to make me want PLD anymore. Before we get into the debacle, that is, that is PLD. I want, I want to make sure we get pub to Velarde. Velarde got a lot of heat from Kings fans with his comments that Kings aren't a, or LA isn't a hockey town and all this kind of stuff like that. And, and his, his uh, comments on Lazat in, in the sports world, you know, that's going to be coming. If, if Velarde doesn't play well, you know, he's going to hear from it from Kings fans. You know, he's going to come in to the next day with a bunch of mentions in his inbox about how he didn't play well. And he came to the table, the whole first line. He had, he had what four points, mm-hmm. three apples and a goal, a, a great goal. Top, top, top notch for him. And, and that's what we thought he could that's what the, he showed. Uh, I don't I know it's his first four point game, but that's what he showed with the Kings that he could dominate a game when he wanted to. Uh, I you, you got to give stick taps to Gabriel Velarde. Hundred percent. We're I think we're all Gabe Velarde fans here. I mean, and, and nothing about the trade had anything to do with not liking Gabe Velarde. 
uh, as a, as you know, as a player, didn't think he was any good or anything like that, you know? So yeah, I, I have zero ill will toward Gabe Velarde. I watched his post game press conference. Good for him, you know, and I know, you know, he rubbed some people the wrong way. I think his LA comments were taken way out of context. The ones from a couple months ago, I don't think he meant anything in the slightest by that. People seem to be really bent out of shape about Lazat, the Lazat comments. It's his opinion. He was the one that was on the ice. He was the one that got tangled up. I don't know. We don't have to agree with it. Like you said, it's his opinion. I'm not going to kill him for it. And he came out and played a really good game. So, and not, not for nothing, the team traded him. So there's, I will say it's interesting though. Like you watched how that game kind of went on and it certainly seemed like the physicality and the verbal altercations picked up a little bit between Velarde and his, ex-Kings teammates a little bit. Well, what was interesting, and I don't know if you guys caught this. Russ, you're live at the game. You probably didn't. And I I was watching the Winnipeg broadcast. Um, and it happened in the uh, – maybe I don't remember now which period it happened. It was down to – I was the, watching it to the left, and I think it was in the Kings offensive zone. So it had to be either the first or the third period. And Lazat had almost the exact same play that took down I did see that yeah and I could see Lazat as he was going by the Winnipeg bench he caught an earful from mm-hmm. you could see it and the announcers did say that Lowry Lowry was giving mm-hmm. him an earful I watched that play it was what it had was- happened was Lazat got cross-checked from behind he's battling for a puck and I don't know who he was battling with him there's a player in front of him he was battling with the puck and he yeah. got kind of cross-checked from behind kind of went down but as he went down, his stick was kind. Of, he was went forward, and it pushed out the feet from underneath yeah. of the Winnipeg player. So I don't know if he meant to do that, but it seemed like kind of a fluky play. But the Jets, yeah, their bench just lit up right away when that. Because happened. that's what Velarde was talking about, kind of with what happened to him. That it was kind of one of those accidentally on purpose type of things. So mm-hmm. and only Lazat knows that, and I think you know Lazat, in my opinion, has not at all shown to be any sort of dirty player. So, um, but I thought that was interesting that you know, off the heels of the comments that he made about Lazat, that a very similar play happens with Lazat, and Lazat catches an earful on his way past uh, the Winnipeg bench. So I'm sure that that helps some things uh, get heated up a little bit too. I mean, a lot of the things that kind of happened, if you think about it, in the first period of the game, the first goal that the King has scored, I mean, Bonus and Lowry were just absolutely up in arms thinking that Kempe got away with the cross-check in front. I didn't think it was anywhere near a cross-check. If you look at Sandberg, he wasn't even upset or even looked at the refs after the play happened. I thought he was more or less just kind of diving for a puck, and Kempe kind of gave him a little shove in the back at the same time that happened. So, But there's a lot of stuff that kind of emotionally got the, the Jets riled up a bit. And, man, when you couple that with the Velarde thing, the PL trade, yep. I mean, I'm sure maybe that you go into a, the first period intermission, Rick yep. Bonus probably said a couple things, and then all of a sudden you see the team yeah. kind of coming yeah. out. Uh, lit a fire into them a little bit in the second period. But one thing I'll say is that what caught my art, my eye, and I wish I had paid attention to this. Obviously, it's a little tuple, tougher because you can't foresee that this trade would happen and Velarde wouldn't be on this team. But I saw Matt Roy and Gabe Velarde really going at it, like in between, like during play. There was, there was one play um, that happened in the Kings offensive zone. I think it was in the third period. Roy was in behind the King's net, just absolutely giving it to Velarde, just cross checks, hacks back behind the leg. And then it moved to the front of the net, kind of the same thing. And play wasn't the puck wasn't even anywhere near those two players. So it's like 
like you almost like wonder like how real close was that player to some of these players and what was the relationship like with that and obviously we'll never know they'll never really yeah. probably give us the, the, those <laughs> answers but i kind of wish i had paid attention to that a little bit more uh prior to that trade was made but yeah hats off to the way of already played i think you're right it seemed a little like they got a little emotional because um i the 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 standard for cross checks last night was pretty weak. So I think the fact that Velarde, I agree, it wasn't much there, or uh, Kempe, I should say, there really wasn't much there with the Kempe play, but there wasn't much with the either Schmidt play, and there wasn't much with the one either. I, it was really weird. So I guess, like, if I'm on that Winnipeg bench, you see Schmidt get pushed. All he did was push Lewis, and he goes down and gets a cross check, and then you see the same more or less the same thing happened in front of the net. So I guess that's probably why what made them lose their minds. Um, and I don't know then, but, but the King scored after that too, right? With, with yeah. Laferriere, uh, with the flute play. I mean, it almost looked like fear Winnipeg. It's like, shit, that would, if it's going to go wrong, it's going wrong tonight, apparently. And, and uh, I mean, again, credit, credit to them for, for sticking with it and, and, uh, and turning things around in the second period. And it's funny that I love that Trapper mentioned Roy's post-game interview because I thought it was so ironic that he was the player that had yeah. to talk. And he's always such a mild-mannered, like soft-spoken kind of guy. And then the fact that he had those comments, and it was kind of like – it wasn't like a cheap shot or like even ver verbal jab at Velarde, but it was like – I think it was along the lines like, oh, he's entitled to his own opinions and we can disagree with him and stuff like that. But it's just funny to see a player like Matt Roy when he just never really talks and just – so soft-spoken to have those kind of comments and be the one to to be in front of the camera after I saw what had happened and transpired throughout the game. Speaking of the media, it was was it weird that was there no nobody wanted to talk to Dubois? He, How did they, that work? The team, the How team does that make chooses, available? Oh, the team chooses who's available. Then that's then that's well, let's get into that. That's weak. That's what, like I mean, that's everybody wants. It's been. Yeah, but that's weak. That's weak though. I mean, yeah. you know, every, the media wants to talk to PLD after the game. Uh, and I'm sure, and and after the trade and everything like that, and he's got to own up to his poor play in that game. In my, in my opinion, uh, if if the Kings are sheltering a a veteran who's twenty something, mid twenties, who has been a you know a top player on previous teams, was brought in, makes eight point five million. If he sheltered him, if they sheltered mm -hmm. him and didn't allow him for media availability, uh, poor on the Kings. And, no uh, and, I'll say, and, and I'll say it as a Kings podcast, that's that's BS because he should answer – all media members want to talk to him after this trade. All media members want to be there and 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 say, hey, like this was a big game against your former team. You know, obviously you were trading this thing. And I understand the Kings not wanting to, to, to deal with that, but, you know, that, that's part of the game. That's part of the game. And, and, and Velarde got the better of him. Will that be the – would that be the instance for the rest of their career? Maybe not, probably not, but he's got to be there to answer that. And if the Kings sheltered him, then pour on them. No offense to Matt Roy. I don't really want to, I don't need to hear from Matt Roy after that came on. I hear from Todd McClellan. I want to hear from Ajay Kopitar, Drew Doughty. And in this particular game, especially Pierre-Luc Dubois. I don't know. That's, I, <laughs> you, I don't know. Am I wrong? It's so, I mean, it's, Ever since like I've had the opportunity to kind of go and, and, and be the locker room after the games, it's always been since I've been there, they'll choose the players that speak after win, wins or losses. It's always been that way. So 
Yeah, I mean, you could say, like, if you want to speak to a certain player and they don't provide that, I would agree 100%. I never felt like – the like, I never after the game, I never really felt like I needed to speak with or needed to hear from Dubois. Like, like that's that's the thing, too, is, like, we might as well just get into the Dubois conversation. We're kind of tiptoeing around it anyway. But, like, like if you think about it, like, if it wasn't the Jets, yeah, do we would be talking about nothing. Completely. Dubois agree. would have a point, and it'd yep. be a no, no – topic conversation but the fact that Gabe Velarde has four points and he outplays the Kings and Dubois on the other side that's the only reason this is coming up it's mm-hmm. the only reason we're talking about it mm-hmm. I, so, I, I think mean, I, I I would disagree I think this is the camels this is the straw that broke the camels back and, and let's get into PLD here I mean obviously we've been talking about the metrics and zone entries and the slot assists and all this kind of stuff like that but the fact is he's not producing he's just not in a, in a real way and is that his line mates is that what's going on I don't know uh, but he got he got outproduced by the guy they traded for, uh, or they traded for in in Gabriel Velarde and for for five million cheaper. So I mean, there's got to be some sort of bell that's being answered here. Like he's playing on the third line. He's not playing with Fiala, which what we thought he would play. He's not a point per game player. He's not even a half point per game player. So there's got to be some sort of bell to be rung here. And and I'll play I'll I'll play the the sentiment of the fans because. It's all over Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. It's just not good enough. And I don't care what advanced analytics you want to bring, Joe, because I know you're going to bring them all. He's not He's not good enough right now. PLD is not good enough. Plain and, uh, plain and simple. He's not. Yeah, and I don't, care, I don't care who you're talking about with his line mates and shot percentages and all this kind of stuff. He should drive the line. And that was the whole point of him going down to the third line or, or having new line mates. He's going to drive these rookies. He's going to be the ownership of this line. He doesn't. And so where where is his game here? Because and I know everybody wants to talk about his floating and all this kind of stuff. Kopitar floats. So like it is he's it's if he floats and he puts up points, nobody's gonna care, but he doesn't put up points right now. So yeah. Joe, Joe, I want to get to you this. Let me maybe stir stir this into a an actual question for you. Sure. Is it recency bias and the fact that there's four points up for, for Velarde, or is there real concern with Pierre-Luc Dubois, the fact that we have an $8.5 million centerman playing third-line minutes and not producing? Well, it's funny that Russ said that because I had literally the exact same thought. Like, if this was if the Kings win this game, it's 2 nothing, right? If the Kings win this game 3-1, everybody's talking about how Dubois picks up a point, you know, LaFerriere gets a fluke goal. Maybe that'll help get this line going. Good win for the Kings, and we're off and running, and nobody – we are not having uh, uh, this conversation at all. The only reason this is a topic is because Velarde had a good night, which I think is – I don't know why that's relevant to Pierre-Luc Dubois himself personally. Um, I mean, I think it's um, – yeah, I, I, I'm not going to – bring any because I know nobody wants to hear about zone entries and slot passes it's not I'm not even going to bother going there because I can totally agree that it's not been enough so far um his and 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 I think though I I don't know I actually think his play with the puck is okay I think when he has the puck on his stick I think he's perfectly fine he's a horse to the neutral zone he's good in the offensive zone he's creating plays the, the issues with Dubois right now are away. You know, when he doesn't have the puck on his stick, whether it's in the defensive zone or whether it's in the neutral zone, I'm, there's definitely some problems there where I don't know what it is. If he's overthinking too, if he's thinking too much, or or if he's just not engaged or whatever it is, I, I can't say that before. Um, but 
I mean, I think with the puck, I think he's fine. I think the stuff as far as production goes, I think a lot of that, not all of it, but I think a lot of that is a less ice time, uh, which Todd McClellan alluded to after the game, he's going to get less ice time here in Los Angeles than he was in Winnipeg. That is just a fact. Um, the way they have their center depth, the way th- they're structured, that's how they're going to play it. He ain't playing, you know, 19 minutes a night, 20 minutes a night like he did in Winnipeg. He's going to be playing, you know, more often than not, what, 13, 15 minutes a night. That's just how it's going to be. So you're shaving minutes off his game. He's on the second power play unit. Um, it's a different situation for Dubois than he was in Winnipeg. Um, I do think the points are going to come. Uh, I, I think he's playing well enough with the puck that the points will come. But obviously the play away from the puck is where where my concern is. Um and I guess at this point, I have to just trust that the coaching staff is going to be able to to get the best out of him as they kind of go along through this season, um, as he continues to you know to adapt to LA and the LA system. So um, I would agree, as somebody that was a fan of Dubois in the trade, is a fan of Dubois in the trade. Um, I I agree that he's to to date not playing well, well enough. So, so Russ, all all the things that people were saying, and and you and Joe were were saying, it's not an issue. The the faceoff percentage, him playing without the puck, the defensive skills, and, and all those things he alluded to that he needs to get better at, and hasn't gotten better at so far. Is that an issue for you? Twenty something games into the season, not really. Um, I agree with Joe, where it's just not been good enough yet, or so far this season. I'm not going to say I wouldn't do the trade. Like, like there's no – that's horrible to say. I think this trade was – we're not going to see the re- actual returns of this deal until playoffs come around because that's where this – that's why this trade was made. You made this trade because last year in the playoffs, your third-line center was Rasmus Kupari, and the Kings have no center after that in their organization. Quentin Byfield has moved to the wing. He's looked great on the wing. You don't want to move him to center yet, so you did just didn't – you didn't want to go into another season with Rasmus Kapari as your third-line center. So you go out and you get a player, a 25-year-old center who's been a 60-point-per-game player in the NHL. You go out and grab him, even with the baggage, because you give him the money, he gets to pick where he wants to play, and everything looks good. So, yeah, I do that trade 100 times over. Just that, like, I agree, though. It just hasn't been good enough. And I am also agree that I think with the puck, he's been outstanding. I mean, when the puck is on his stick, there's just – no stopping him. He's a bull in a china shop. You try to take it from him, it's not going to happen. He just, I mean, people try to hit him. They're just bouncing off of him like nothing. So it's the, it's the away from the puck stuff. It's the gliding. It's that kind of like lackadaisical skating that seem, that is so apparent on the ice when you're watching the game that I think catches a lot of people's eyes that when you've been watching a, a premier Hall of Fame level player like Andre Kopitar, who just constantly is around the puck, especially in the defensive zone, will will swing down and help his defenders as a centerman should. You just don't really see that too much from Dubois, and that's where I want to see more of. I want to see him want the puck on his on his stick more, and and that's something where I feel like has been really missing in his game. And I don't think it's an attitude problem. Like I just saw him in the locker room today. He like everything seems fine. He's he's really close to a lot of uh, players in the locker room, so I don't think there's anything with that. It's just. I don't know. I feel like there's an adjustment still, even though I, I don't know much, how much longer we can keep saying this since we're like 26 games into the season. So maybe you look at I'm at, I'm at negative three games, by the way, Russ, for that. 
I think at this point, it's just kind of f- trying to figure out line mates that can play with Dubois. And I know it's an excuse, and you mentioned it could be a cop-out, but I feel like there's something to that. I feel like there's something to him playing with a rookie who's got a 6% shoot- shooting percentage. I feel like there's something to saying him playing with Carl Grunstrom, who is probably more or less just like a bottom six or glorified fourth liner who's got a pretty good shot and throws his weight around. And then when when you have those players that you're playing with at only 13 to 15 minutes a night, when just last year you were playing with players like Kyle Connor and Nikolai Ehlers and playing 18, 20 minutes a night on the first power play unit, I think you can you have a little bit of an excuse there. So I don't well, want to say. Let, I'm me, not throw, gonna... let me let me throw a boomerang back to you then, Russ. Okay. Shouldn't he shouldn't he be the most dominant player on that line then? If he's playing with a proverbial fourth liner and a rookie, shouldn't he outshine both those players on a consistent night in night in and night out basis? I feel like he has been. I think he kind of has. Yeah, I mean he's still. I mean, it's your t- like I just mentioned, you have a shooting percentage with Alex Ferrer as much as I love LaFerrier, of six per six six percent. I mean, like there was one there was one instance I saw in the game yesterday, and I'm watching it like a lot of the focus obviously is on Dubois, and I'm watching him play, and it feels like he gains entry, gets the puck over to Grunstrom or LaFerrier, and it's just puck straight on net, shot, immediately get the get the line, shot on net. And you can kind of sense that maybe like like Dubois kind of puts his head down, like, oh, he's trying to make a little bit more happen as opposed to just, just being such a direct line player. So I wonder if it's like maybe that kind of mindset is kind of getting into to him a little bit where it's like, oh man, you got me playing with these these wingers that are so straight line. And I get it. Like there's you you kind of need that in some of some players' games and some some line, especially for maybe in the bottom six. But when you're trying when you're a creative player like Dubois, who's been playing with such good, good talented wingers in his years, i I wonder how much that would get to him. And I hope that I hope it doesn't because you want him to continue to have a good attitude. I don't think it has, but I just wonder, like, how much of that has crept into his head a little bit. That's exactly why. So, yeah. Joe, so Joe, you 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 wish he was with Trevor Moore, who was a straight line player, and Russ is saying that he's been with straight line players and it hasn't worked out. So, why do you believe that maybe Trevor Moore is the answer? Is it is it just flip him and Dano and see if there's something that can spice up going forward, or or how do you view his game with Trevor Moore and how I, would that unlock it? Because I think Trevor Moore is different than. Um, LaFerriere and Grunstrom. Yes, he can play a north-south game. Um, he can he's he's got wheels on this on on the wing. He likes to shoot the puck off the rush. But he's also somebody that is a creative player. Like he's a really underrated, I think he's an underrated passer at this point. Um, you know, I, and I he's among the leaders in in slot passes on the team on the Kings is Trevor Moore. He's in the top like three or four, I think. So like he's somebody that can make plays himself. Where you're just not seeing that with Grunstrom and with Laferriere. To Russell's point, it's just get across and shoot it, get across and shoot it, which like isn't necessarily a bad thing. But there's a little bit less of that second layer of creativity with those players that that I think Trevor Moore would bring and would help Dubois. That's why that's what I keep him. I've been saying for a couple of weeks, I'd, I'd like to see Trevor Moore. And, you know, I tweeted before the game, that line had played 87 minutes together, 57% shot attempts, 61% expected goals, 54% high danger chances, 1.9% shooting percentage as the, the trio. It's like something's got to get right here. There. That's so, and, and I, and, and, and yeah, I get it. I get it. This stuff sounds like excuses. 
okay, it, I guess it, it, it might, but I, I just think that, again, I, I think when he, when the puck is on his stick, he's perfectly fine. Um, I think that uh, it's, it's away from the puck right now that he needs to get kind of sorted. And that's if, and when that, that can, that can change, then uh, I think we see another, another level, but again, you know, I don't, not second guessing the trade, the contract, whatever. Like this is a, a a player in a year, ask me in a year and and maybe I'll have a better idea. I mean, I want to see him in a full kind of run here, a playoff run, you know, another off season in LA where he's kind of totally settled. And that's, you know, he's here. So we don't need to make a decision after 25. He's here for eight years. So we got to, you know, see it. I'm, I'm not, I mean, people can't wait for the Cybertruck, Joe. They can't wait for PLD to to last that long. So, there's no of, choice. He's not going anywhere. <laughs> I, I I I would come in here, SP. Uh, you've been lighting up the the chat so far. Appreciate you coming in. I don't I don't recognize you, but Deneau's a third line winger at best and a PKer. Obviously, they brought him in. He's played above his station. What we thought, and we thought that Pierre Dubois would be a take over that second line center role. Are they not giving him the keys to the kingdom? Is it just him not being able to play with those types of grinder type wingers or is PLD the problem? I think when you have such a reliable player like Deneau, I think it kind of pushes him up into that second line center conversation. I don't think it's just more or less just purely based off his offensive production because that's not really what Deneau is, although he's kind of showed he can be. It's just that his chemistry with Moore and, and Fiala at times has elevated that line so much to so that, I mean, Tom McClellan has just have to give him more minutes. That's just, just based off the, how their production, how well they've been playing. But I have another player that I'd like to see Dubois playing with besides Trevor Moore. I want to see him back with Kevin Fiala. I, I think I think when you have – like all the good things that we saw with Dubois and Fiala, I don't at the at, in preseason and training camp. I don't think that was a fluke. I think with Dubois is you're seeing a player that kind of likes to play off the puck a little bit, kind of like watching the play happen in front of him, and then when he gets the puck, he'll create a play himself. With Fiala, he's a player that wants the puck on his stick. He he needs to have the puck, and he'll find players, with, whether it be cross ice passes or or. Saw backhand saucer passes. That's what Kevin Fiala is. He's a playmaker. So I just I want to see those two together again, and I, I feel like that would almost help Trevor Moore and Philip Deneau a little bit too. I feel like these last couple of games is like we're we've seen Moore and Deneau kind of getting to this like trying to do too much in their phase in their game, especially like in last night's game. Like we saw Phil Deneau just a terrible turnover that led to a goal the other way. And I just wonder, like, how much of that line is kind of missing that direct straight line player? Because I agree with Joe. Like, I feel like Trevor Moore is we. He's got a little bit more creativity than we give him credit for. Like, I don't think he's he's the straight line player anymore. I think he used to be, but I feel like his play with Deneau has kind of turned him into this more creative player because they're look they're making nice passes um, that turn into just really pretty goals. So I I, I want to see Kaliev back with Deneau and more. You get a shooter again with those two players. Give him a straight line player. Kaliev has played some of the best hockey of his career with with Philip Deneau and, and some of his underlying metrics. So that would help that player. And then when you have Fiala with Dubois, I feel like Fiala would almost kind of 
I don't want to say drag Dubois around, but would kind of help him in terms of looking for those creative type plays that maybe Dubois is missing a little bit playing with Laferriere and Grunstrom. So I want to I want to piggyback off. Or, that or you could just or you could just flip the centers. Just flip the centers. No, I don't want to break Are up to no one more. I don't want to break up to no more. I think that, that there's too much of a chemistry there with those two players. But but both those players are supposed to be in. They're irreplaceable. They can play with whoever. They're but they're line drivers. So what, yeah, I like think why? They, I don't why have can't a problem. You break them up? I don't have a problem splitting them up. But I guess if 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 McClellan doesn't want to, I'd like to go back to this Russ and kind of elaborate a little bit more because early in the season, it seemed like it wasn't it wasn't clicking, and I'm I'm looking back because I knew that Fiala was just not himself. And I, so I tweeted back and this was October 30th that Kevin Fiala in, in 2022-23 for the season, he had, he was over 15 shot attempts per 60 and nearly 16 shot assists per 60 for over 31 shot contributions per 60. In the start of the season in 23-24, his shot attempts was down to 12 and a half. His shot assists were down to 12 and a half, seven less shot contributions. It just seemed like something was off. Fast forward to now, Fiala's shot attempts have gone from 12.5 per 60 to 17 per 60. So there's a noticeable difference in Fiala's game right now. He seems to have kind of fake, he's back, like he found it. It seemed like he started slow. So he's been a slow starter in his game. Always. So, so, so given that, like I, I wouldn't be opposed to, to kind of seeing if that's, if, if, if because his shot attempts or excuse me, his shot assists, his passing numbers are still definitely down. And Dubois shot numbers have uh, we've talked about this before are very much down where it's they I wonder now if now would be a good time to reunite them. It seems like Fiala's got his game going again. Maybe he can be that player that, you know, similar to what I was talking about with Moore, where yes, let let Dubois carry the puck through the zone to the center of the ice. He makes the play to the left side to Kevin Fiala. He does his thing. And now maybe Dubois can kind of saunter into the high slot area. Fiala can, can make plays that way too. And mm-hmm. to your point with a, with a shooter like Laferriere along their side. So I, I if they're not going to put more there, um, I, I do think the opportunity is there to, to have Kevin Fiala play with him. And I think that would be, um, I'd give that a shot. I'd like to see Kaliev with them as opposed to Laferriere. I, I, oh, I wouldn't maybe. mind seeing Laferriere with Deneau and Moore. I, I'd kind of be curious to see how that would happen. Yeah, I'm, I'm good with that too. I, it's I guess, weird because like, I feel like this would be a this like this little quick break that's like, it's just two game two day break that they have. I feel like this would have been a perfect opportunity for McClellan to kind of tinker with things a little bit. That's not like we're asking for the world, right? We're we just like you're, you're a team that's sixteen six and four going through a little bit of a slump. Like I feel like this would have been a perfect time when you have teams like Seattle and San Jose coming up to maybe try to try new things out. But I, I, it was weird that McClellan even that mentioned that he just he wants to see this group kind of pull through it. And I don't know. I, I would have rather just gone through maybe put everything in the blender, put Grunstrom back down the fourth line. Whoa, and, and, everything in the blender. A couple tweaks. No, a couple tweaks. Like the first line, keep the way it is. I'm not touching that. Okay. I just maybe the the last three lines. I'm maybe putting it put in the blender a little bit. Not a full blender. I, I would say full blender. Not, not I mean outside the first line, the bottom nine, bottom nine. Well, well I mean, just, I mean, when you, when you say blender, that's that's four lines. Okay, fine. I mean, I, I'm not I'm not former Titan here saying let's let's sign Phil Kessel uh, and give and give PL a vet. Um, um, I mean, I know the the hot dog vendors in LA would love that after the game because they, their business would go up 400. percent But 
I do think that he needs a legit score and and let's let's take it off of PLD and I don't want to put it on a rook because obviously PLD is making 8.5 million he sh- should have the blame on him but is it time to to move on from Laferriere I mean Fagimo is a, over almost a goal per, a goal per game player in the AHL he's had stints with the Kings to where he's shown productivity obviously it didn't work out in nashville for whatever reason i don't follow the predators so is it time to give him a winger that's been proven to score goals obviously they need a right-hander on the power play and he's lighting up one-timers like ovechkin in the ahl so like where am i missing like something needs to happen and 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 and, and joe before you answer Mm -hmm. We all have had our moments where we have said, hey, Todd McClellan's not doing anything that needs to be done. He just sits there and waits. Now, he's made a lot of moves this year with adjustments at the half, adjustments with training up lines. So he's been a great coach this year. He's on line for being coach of the year. I get it. But his his MO or his, his calling card has been doing nothing and hoping it turns out better. Is Leferrier that person you want to wait on is pld that person you want to wait on or do they need a shot in the arm that is samuel fagimo I, I i don't know i mean i i'm i'm not that down on laferriere i'm really not and uh, you're right though i mean their their production isn't where it needs to be i just don't know that that fagimo i don't think that's the the, the play right now because i feel like if you go to that and it doesn't work which it's entirely possible that it doesn't work. Because here's the thing with Fagimo on the power play. I don't think he's playing the left flank in the Kings power play because they've got Adrian Kempe on that flank. So in terms of needing a righty on that first power play, I don't think Fagimo's it. They need more of a playmaking right shot player on that first power play. I don't think that's Fagimo. So at least in my opinion. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I'm not there. I'm I'm still comfortable with Laferriere, Russ. I, I know I don't know where you're at on this, but I I'm there. I, I, I think and you I think you believe McClellan was referring to Laferriere yesterday when he said he's doing a lot of a lot of things. Sometimes you gotta look a little harder to see it. You know, some of the little things that you're doing, whether it's a wall battle, whether it's a back check, whether it's body positioning on a back check, or whether it's, you know, uh, winning a puck battle on or a, a, a breakout on the wall, and he's making the right play, things like that, that you know, dump ins that that are that are appropriately placed where he can get it or his teammates can get it. So like he's probably doing a lot of those little things. And I, I so I'm okay with with keeping him here. I mean, if you want to make the argument that maybe maybe take a little pressure off him and move him down in the lineup a little bit and swap him and Kaliev. I can, I can listen to that, but I, I don't know. I kind of like his game still. I, I really do. I think some of the stuff with the production with him, I think is as much to do with some, some, you know, puck luck as much as anything. I, I've kind of liked his game. Yeah. I feel like the microscope is only on him because of the player he's playing with. That's the only reason I feel like, I feel like Laferriere at this point of his career probably would be better suited on the fourth line if you put him with a player like Lozat and Trevor Lewis. And there's not the expectations kind of go down a lot more. And we wouldn't really be having this conversation. I'm not really there with Fugimo. I think it's a great story. I think he's playing really well in the AHL. Predators waived him for a reason. And they're 
not even close to the, as deep of a team as the Kings are. And I don't think LaFerrier has gotten to the point where he's playing uh, to lose games for the Kings. So that's why I say, like, I just but I'm, like I'm tired of that. He's not losing games for the Kings. Like, he's not winning games for the Kings. He's also a rookie. I mean, you, this is a great experience for a player who's played so, really well in his first 20-plus games in the NHL. Are the this Kings be, trying to – are the Kings developing prospects or are we trying to win a cup? We're trying to win a cup. And they're winning okay. – they're 16-6-4. and four. I just don't think Fugimo is that I, – I don't know. I I, 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 I hear you, Rand, and especially because yeah. we're looking for some more production – and Figimo's been producing quite a bit in, oh, in that. But tier. what's the harm? Laugh goes down. There's no waiver. He's waiver exempt, all that kind of stuff like that. You bring up Figimo, give him a shot. Like, like what's the harm there? Like, I know like he's not Victor Arvidsson. And we're all hoping Victor mm-hmm. Arvidsson comes back in February yeah. and he's the ad there. Right? Not holding but, no. but but they're not, but they're not they're not waving Trevor Lewis. They're not getting rid of him because everybody could be like, oh, well, let's bring up. Fagimo and put Laferriere on the fourth line and sit Trevor Lewis. They're not doing that. Mm-hmm. So they're really the only option is 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 bringing up a guy and sitting Laferriere or, or dropping him down. And what's the harm? Like you bring up him for five games, ten games, and sit Laferriere or drop him down and see what's going on. But his his stats in the AHL are nothing to be laughed at. Like a, a goal per game is is something that's a real stat. It's a real shine. And I, I just don't understand. And they need righties on the power play. If if the Kings were not 16-6-2, everybody would be clamoring for Fagimo. But because they are winning games, everybody's afraid to bring him up. I don't I just don't think that the team I still think the team should be shy of making a change. And I get it, he won, I get it, he won the spot out of camp. I get that. But it doesn't mean that there can't be tweaks. And maybe they need a guy who can light the lamp on fire. Hey, all your zone entries, all your slot assist stats, Joe, if he's putting those in net, that third line's buzzing. But Laferriere's not. So is there another guy that can't? It's fair. I, I, I Again, I, I said my piece. I kind of like Laffy's game. But you're there's, there's nothing unfair about what you're saying. You know, if Fagimo was getting Leferrier, the chance, Leferrier was getting, maybe Fagimo buries a couple more. That's fair. Fair point. I, I think Leferrier is a better player than Fagimo. That's so just my opinion. So do I. So I, I think you're But you're I think the random point, bit. he may be more of a finisher. Maybe as, as Brandon's yeah. saying, that's what the Kings need on that line maybe is more so of a different finisher. player. Okay. Correct. I can, I can buy that. I, I, I don't want to put words in Brandon's mouth, but that's my impression. It's, it certainly seems that way because, I mean, obviously scoring, it's, you're not, it's nothing to hold on about when you're scoring a goal per game in the, in the second best <laughs> league in the, of, of hockey. So I, I get that part, but I don't know. I feel like I feel like Leferrier is a better player than than Figimo. I just I just think you just got to get him away from Dubois. Um, would I'd you, like to see – Russ, probably, would you have said that going into the season? Yeah. I, I'm pretty you, sure I going, going into the season be, before you would have said I would I would take Lafari over Figino. Mm-hmm. I was the I was a huge proponent of yeah, playing Lafari. I'm just saying I'm, I'm, I'm asking you just a direct question because I think that most people would have put Figino ahead of Lafari on. I a think lot even of, the organization would have the organization definitely would have until Lafari outplayed him in training camp. I think that's. I mean, you you go back to the rookie faceoff and some of the the stuff I saw Lafarre doing and and training camp and preseason. The the organization saw it too, and they gave him a, that spot in the lineup for a good reason because he played so well. So 
I mean, and that's why they waived Fagimo. I mean, I think it was the right decision at the time. And I still think it's the right decision to hold on to the Ferrier over Fagimo. I, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to hold to it. Like if this kind of continues, I wouldn't be opposed to a switch. But I feel like for now, I just, I just want to see him away from Dubois. I want to see, cause he's been playing with Dubois the whole season. Yeah. He's the only player that stuck with him all year. So why don't we try him out with somebody else and see what happens there? Like, I'd love to see LaFerrera playing with Lazat. I feel like those two would be great together, especially playing on the fourth line when you're not really expected to do too much there. Maybe you have Grunstrom playing with uh, Dubois and Fiala. Then you get a little bit more of a grinder with a playmaker and a, a, a more of a power forward. And then you have Kalia playing with Dino and more there. That's my bottom nine. I would love well, to see and that. And, and, what, and I think a lot of this is, you know, Victor Arvidsson plays – you know, again, I'm not holding my breath here uh, with Victor Arvidsson, but if reports are remotely uh, true that he'll be back sometime around the trade deadline or slightly before, I mean, that's huge. And I mean, I, I totally agree, Randon and I, or Russ, excuse me, like if you, this won't happen, but if you had a, imagine having a Grunstrom, Lazat, and Laferriere line on that fourth line. Holy crap. That would be fantastic, and then yeah, you've got. But they're, your, but they're not sitting Lewis, so. right? And you've got your righty and Victor Arvidsson to play up in the lineup to play in the power play. But I mean, if not, I mean, I think I tweeted the other day, you know that that you know it's still early, early. Although it's it's mid December now, the deadline's only you know we're getting a little bit closer. That that over two months. Yeah, what are the Kings' holes? Where do you fill? It's like, can you find a middle six kind of right shot? forward to that that's capable of playing the power play i know that's a very specific um you know kind of player but if arvidson is unable to return right now that's that's top of list for me um and because you know they're given leferrier he's given all the opportunity to now he's playing a little bit of time on the second power play uh so we'll see how that goes but um we'll see i, I i'm i'm still I'd rather, to Russ's point, kind of shuffle some things around a little bit with the lines, with maybe give Laferriere a different different look um, before I make that move. I know Arvidsson. He was he was at, he's been at the last couple of practices. He was at the practice today. He was actually standing on the bench watching mm-hmm. practice. I, hope so. I don't know if he's skating. So I mean, his <clears throat> timetable is still up in the air. I, I, I view Arvidsson right now as like he's going to be this trade deadline acquisition for the Kings. That's how I view him. I, but, I don't I mean, even I don't even care if he's there in February. I don't care if he's there in March. I care if he's there in April and May. Yeah, yeah. Because exactly. because he is that late acquisition. He is the Mark Stone of the LA Kings for last year for Vegas, right? Like coming in last minute. Because if you can get if you can get a Grunstrom PLD Arvidsson where you get that that guy that can run amok and can shoot in Grunstrom. The guy that drives play and and the guy that can actually bury some shots outside of Laferriere, that line is lethal, and yeah. so like I I can I can see that or what we were talking about before. Could you imagine what we talked about to start the season? Could you imagine a PLD uh, Fiala and Victor Arvidsson type line mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. line would run circles around most third lines, if not be a second line on this team. So yeah, that's that's way down the line, and the Kings. By all by all recollection, should make the playoffs regardless of what's going on because they're a deep team. But I don't I don't want to get into this complacency that hey we're we're winning a lot of games where this amount of point percentage 
we shouldn't ask for more from our team. If you're a cup contender, you should be asking more from your team. And I don't think what the Kings are giving in the last three games are enough. And I think they need to figure out the bottom six because, because they're not good enough at the moment. I think you're right. Like you should, you, you, you should be nitpicking uh, every lineup. If you're that good of a team or expect to be that good of a team, then yes, you're, you're a hundred percent right, Randon. And, and, and I don't think we should be results based. I don't think that the Kings like just because, well, we're, we're whatever, whatever, and whatever doesn't mean, well, but if, that's why we look at underlying numbers. That's why we look at things like that is like, is this for real or is a player really struggling here? And this is going to be a problem that we need to figure out now before we start losing games, yada, yada, yada. Um, I agree with that, but I, I, I think that, um, you know, the recent stretch is, is not anything of a concern. I don't like the blowing the two goal leads. That's, that's a little unkings like, um, but you're right, Randon. I think you you do need to be looking at these things constantly to see where are potential holes, where are potential issues, and address them before you go in a losing streak. Because if you can nip that in the bud ahead of time, then then there you go. I think uh, Kings Rule wants a confirmation. Uh, maybe Russell confirm or deny. <laughs> Russell, have you seen RV around the rink skating or just around the rink? I haven't seen Ron skating. So he's just been around the rink. Uh, I think it's good that he's been around the rink at practice. He's kind of been wearing um, kind of like workout clothes. So I don't know if he's doing like rehab or what it is. That's what I would expect. They have like a rehab center right there. Like I, it's, it's, I see like Lonzo Ball going in there like all the time, which is kind of kind of weird. But yeah, so they have like a rehab center. I'm sure that's where Arvidsson's kind of been around. I don't, I don't like speculate too much, but I would assume that's what he's been doing. Um, so it's good to see him around the rink, but just to kind of emphasize the point as, as we should be nitpicking, like I totally agree, Randy, like we should be, especially with how well Edmonton is playing. I don't want to go into the playoffs having to play start a playoff series on the road again. You have Vegas playing as well as they have, they are. And so it looks like that first, that division title is going to be a tough one to get. And you don't want to be the third seed going into Probably at Edmonton or Vegas. You don't you just don't want to be a third seed, even though as well as the Kings have been playing on the road. So yeah, we should be continuing to nitpick because you don't want to be con- these. The, you want to keep on this losing slide uh, or this rough patch of, of just playing uh, poor games. I, I think you need to be start. You need to continue the winning stride and, and stay up on the in the, in the standings. And and SP here, man. I know you're the first time in, and uh, appreciate you listening, but. Got to disagree with you more on this one. Can we dump the one through one? That's their identity here. They they clamp down. They they suffocate teams when they're when they have the lead. Um, and it yeah they check up ice when when the one through one's working. That that top four is is checking down, and clamping down, and they are they're doing well and they're suffocating teams. Last night they just got outplayed by Winnipeg. The uh, the first line first line flat out was the best line on the ice for the Winnipeg Jets, flat out. And, and is and we are asking fans and us and ourselves to 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 call in question top players that are getting paid a lot of money like Pierre Dugue Dubois and and all that kind of stuff because that's what we do that's what we're supposed to do, but but the one three one I mean that's that's the identity of the Kings and there's been plenty and ever ever since my co-hosts here have told me to listen to other other uh, broadcasts. I've been doing that every second period of every single game ever since then. And all of them have said, man, this one through one, how do we break it? How do we do this? How do we all that kind of stuff? It's suffocating. 
It suffocates teams. When we have the lead, it's like running the football in the NFL because they can't get a breath because they dump the puck in, we flip it around, and we counterpunch. It's the Chuck Bell, it's the Niners, it's whatever you want to call. It's the counterpunch. They suffocate teams when we have the lead. We're not playing well. Yeah, I get it because we don't. We, we're not pushing the the puck that way. But when we are playing well, we're suffocating teams and pushing the puck. And the one through one, I get it. It's not flashy, but it wins hockey games, and it's been proven over the Kings tenure that it wins hockey. Games. Works. It's and it's three games. I mean, they're six, three, and one in their last ten. So, like, I don't know. Let's remember these conversations next week to see well, how, well, how they play. Russ, two weeks ago, we we're talking about cup contenders, and now it's like, yeah. well, what are we now? What is going on? It's like that guy's not that big a deal. Like, you lost a couple yeah. games. Like, everybody happens to everybody. Against good uh, teams. It happens. Can I – I don't want to hijack this. The, I want to go back to PLD for a second. Let's let's go a little con air, man. Hijack it. Well, because I'm a little like <laughs> – see your Nicholas Cage. The yeah. – the, Put that bunny down. Can it? We can have a trade in sports. <coughs> Both teams get what they need. Both teams do well. Kevin Jim, Fiala. Kevin Fiala. Great example, Russ. Like, if why, it wasn't Connor Bedard, Favor would win the fucking Calder. Sorry, I didn't, my my, my, he's been my good. explosives. He's been great. Why? Why? Why does it have to be that? Oh, because Gabe Velarde's playing so well. And to was off to a slow start. That this is like the like the Kings needed a center. The whole if Gabe Velarde was a centerman, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Because okay, Gabe okay, Joe, I, I like this conversation. Let's go. Let's go. Gabe, let's go. Let's go back to this because I think I think what you're what you're getting here. And I just want to set the I just want to set the tee so you can hit this 300 foot drive or 300 yard drive. Ooh. Right, Joe's yeah, about to throw this one on the fairway. We we saw last last playoffs with the center depth that we had was not good enough. Rasmus Kapari was not good enough. No, we got dominated down the middle of the ice. Everybody was saying, "Hey, we need a center. We need a center. We need a center." We were all saying that that Edmonton had that advantage over us. So we get a center, a good center. Now, granted, people did maybe not like the uh, the uh, the the capital. People not like like the contract, but he is a good center in the National Hockey League. So let's play a hypothetical. What what is our team on the third line if it's Filardi and no name and I follow versus PLD? It's Kapari. Yeah. Who isn't even even with a riddled injury team, he's scratched healthy. He's hurt. Well, he's hurt. Is he hurt? Okay. He's hurt. Yeah. But he, so, even so, he has one point, I think, in 19 games. So I, I'm just saying. Yeah, like this is the hypothetical that we're talking about. We still have holes on this team. We we are still on this podcast figuring out how to how to fix the LA Kings if the lineup is the same. And 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 so so Joe, yeah. PLD, yeah. You're were, you were getting into it. You were about to hit this 300 yard drive. PLD, where foot where drive. foot drive? Sorry, <laughs> I, I I don't know your golf game. No, it's 300 uh, yards. I'm just I'm just laughing. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it is, is this just, this is just recency bias. Yeah. So, and, and, and I want to separate something because yes, acknowledge production isn't there. He's got, he's, he is not a perfect player right now. 
as we've talked about earlier, I think with the puck, he's fine. Without the puck, he's 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 struggling right now. Um, so it's he's not the perfect player, but he's Gabe Velarde was not a center in the National Hockey League. Not a good one. He's also not a center right now. He's playing the wing in Winnipeg. And as I like to say, you don't get moved off of center because you're too good for playing center. There's a reason for it. It's because you're not getting it done. And Velarde, I love Gabe Velarde. We're beating the drum for him two years ago, Randon, to be called up uh, with the rain, called up from the rain to be a top six winger as an acquisition because he was playing so well in Ontario. Um, he, he can't play center, at least not effectively, at least not yet, at least not at this level come playoff time. Pierre-Luc Dubois can. Okay, I agree his points are low right now and his game, his overall game needs to improve. But that was the nexus of the trade, right? Alex Iafalo, I'm sorry, love the guy, great guy, just very easily replaceable. Kapari's easily replaceable. To get a really good player like Dubois, you have to give a really good player like Gabe Velarde. Is Gabe Velarde a more productive player? I bet they're probably going to be pretty close over the course of like their their careers, they're they're probably going to be relatively similar in points production. You know, I, I can see Gabe Velarde popping off for more points in some seasons. Gabe Velarde has so far shown to be a really good two-way winger too, which is very impressive. But like, he's not a center, and the Kings really need a center for now and the future. Now, I don't know if if PLD is going to be a one C in a couple of years when Kopitar is gone. You know, I, I don't know. That's a couple of years away. But the, the whole point of that of this all was there was a gaping hole at 3C that Gabe Velarde wasn't filling. Rasmus Kapari couldn't fill. I love Blake Lazat, but he's 4C. So the that's where PLD came into the discussion. Now, we could also get into like the speculation, but I really don't want to go here too much because it's speculation. I sure as hell don't know about did Gabe Velarde really want to be here and, you know, the yeah. talk. So I don't know. I'm, I don't know anything about that, but the, he wasn't a center. And so that's what, if, if he was, he'd still be here. That's where it all comes back to, in my opinion, like. It, it, it's, Let's it, not forget he was given that chance. He was two yes, seed for, for a copious amount of games. Yeah. Multiple times he was given that chance and it wasn't working. And that's like, that's okay. He's a really good winger. Dare I say a great winger? Like he's 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 evolving into a top line winger. That's great to see because I think he's a really talented player. Kings have an abundance of wingers. You know, they they so it's like I I, I think they're they needed the centerman. So I think that's what makes the whole thing make sense for me. And I know there's comments in the chat. I can see them, and there's been stuff about, well, you could have just gotten a different center that was half the price okay well you still are paying you have to you have to then sign Velarde. well so what's his contract you have alex i follow remember you didn't trade him it's four million you got a million in rasmus kapari there's all your dubois money so now what third line center are you going to go get ryan o'reilly who makes four and a half million dollars or four million dollars where are you fitting him and ryan o'reilly I, 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 I he got a multi-year deal so why would he turn down a multi-year four was it four by four with nashville for a what one or two year deal with the kings why would he do that he's not he's going to stay with nashville all of these examples that people give it's fantasy come with a real example and maybe there's actually discussion but ryan o'reilly wasn't going to leave the money that nashville gave him he what did he get one two he got four by four and a half 
Kings aren't signing him to four by four and a half, nor should they. So what are we talking about here? Like, mm-hmm. it's a center. He they, they needed a center. They struck. No, now, now SP is tickling at what you said. We, we would have wow. better. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's a different discussion. There you go. There you you tickle for, for the podcast. Yeah. SP is saying the Kings should have done the Jack Eichel trade, and we all yeah we we we're well aware of that. Yes, yeah. that's very. You are. We're, but, we're with you there, SP. So yeah. I don't. Know, I don't mean to rant there, Russ. I'll, you, Russ, or you can take it from yeah. here. I mean, I, I ranted. You ranted. Hey, yeah, we, I love it. We, we need a rant by Russ here. So no, I so mean, Russ, I, you guys did all the ahead. ranting for me. I, I'll just say it. It's it's turning into a one for one trade. That's all it is, and it's a trade that for a position of need, the Kings needed. They yes. traded from a position of strength in terms of the wingers that they had. Uh, and then a young center in Rasmus Kapari. Rasmus Kapari has like one point in however many games. Alex Iafalo started off really, really hot, and now he's turned into Alex Iafalo, where he has like no points in his last like seven games or something like that. Like I saw like a Winnipeg writer tweet that, and he was like, I don't know what's wrong with Alex Iafalo. I was like, yeah, I know what's wrong with him. He's turning into Alex Iafalo. Alex Iafalo. So there's that. But, yeah, with Gabe Bellardi, it's a one – if you think about it, it's a one-for-one one trade, and the Kings needed a center. So Joe beat that beat that horse to the ground, and it, it – I think it's going to work out for the Kings in the long run. And, and with Bellardi, I mean, we have we have to talk about it. he's injury prone too. So he's already he's missed a, this year. He's already missed a ton of games, and it's kind of a fluke injury. And I want to put that on on him, yeah. but it's a label that he's going to have to shed at some point. For I mean, twenty five year old centers built the way that PL Dubar built don't just grow on trees. No. They're not available. When they're available, you have to go out and try to get them. So I mean, when when you see him walking around the locker room. And the, the how jacked he is, I mean, it's like, man, like he's a just empowering force that I can imagine just as on. It's the only thing I'd say is like, I just want him to be emotionally invested in the game. I feel like there's times where I, we just haven't seen that snarl to his game come out a little bit. It's like I wonder, like, if you can get like, like Laferriere and Grunstrom aren't emotional players on the ice. They're not going to get into like scrums or or anything like that. I almost want to see a player kind of. Paul Dubois, kind of get him. Was it the Ranger? Game? Which I think, I think Victor Arvidsson is that type of guy. He's very emotional on the ice. Yeah, Almost but I don't know too. if he'll be able to like start like like scrums <laughs> or get in the face of people. Like like so, I'm just gonna say right now, I was gonna save it. Maybe a little, maybe I'm a little early on this, but I like I almost wonder like. What would a trade for like a? I, I know I'm speaking trades, and these are all hypotheticals. We're playing fantasy. We're fans. We like to have fun. Let's let's have some fun. I would love to see him play with like a Nick Foligno. Like I, I know they played together in Columbus. And I've, Nick Foligno and Nick Foligno's in Chicago. He's got a, he's on a one year deal, like four million dollars mm-hmm. UFA after the year. But if you get a winger like that to play with Dubois, who's kind of just gonna pull him into those emotional kind of fights and, and scrums a little bit, I, I'm just I'm just curious to see how that would happen because I, I feel like they're, we're missing that that part of, of Dubois' game that I, I was so excited about when he first came over here that. Those like after the whistle scrums, those face washes that we just really haven't seen too much of so far in the early parts of, with the, in LA. And I guess I, I I would just like to go back to the fact that it's I don't know why it it matters that Velarde's good, good, yeah, exactly. it's fine, like it's okay. Like I think people see every trade that's made, and you just have to make out like a bandit on every trade. <laughs> It's like this. Why? But but I think I feel like Kings fans feel like we lost the trade by a lot. I mean, and, and that's and why. I, but but that's how they feel. 
That's what Twitter is about. And we we are a podcast for the fans by the fans because we are all fans. And yeah. and that's how they feel. And and I think I'm gonna end it on this because we are almost on two hours here. Kind of knew if, this one would be a long one. If <laughs> if PL if if the and I said this when the trade happened, even when in my agitated state, I said this. If the trade works out on our end. Who cares what the other end is like? And that's what Joe's saying. Mm-hmm. If PLD works out for the Kings, which so far he has not, but if he does, then who cares what Gabe Velarde turns out to be? Because right. we got what we needed. Right. And that's what we'll see going on the rest of the season. Will this turn around for Pierre-Luc Dubois? Will it turn around for LaFerriere? Will Tonka be able to ignite that line? Is it a Victor Arvidsson February matchup where it's a, it's a tinderbox? We don't know. That's what we're here to see. We want to see the Kings play well, and we're fans, and we love it. We love this debate here. Fans love this debate. We, we could go probably another hour of hypotheticals, but uh, whether you're listening to this on, on the 405 in L.A. or, or right now, uh, we don't have the time. So uh, <laughs> I appreciate you guys for coming here. The chat was buzzing. Uh, you guys were going back and forth, and I appreciate the debate. Uh, get your hockey shirts. Go on to uh, order them at hockey at – or contact at hockeyroyalty.com. Uh, and Russ will get you squared away 30 bucks for uh, size shirts, small through extra large. We are working on new shirts down the pipeline uh, for for all you uh, 2XL, 3XL people. We got some shirts coming down uh, the line for you guys. Uh, really appreciate you guys again in the chat. All new articles coming out. Russ, you had a great interview uh, with, with the skating coach for Byfield, so keep an eye out for that article coming out uh as well as all the stuff for the rain with kyle um you can follow us at hockey underscore royalty at random commando 24 at jw paterino at nhl russell uh great pod guys good to be back joe glorious as ever man you uh, i miss you man I miss you it was good having you back so glad to be back all right well as always on this podcast go kings go <laughs>